everyone. This is Barack Lurie, and this is the Barack Lurie Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. With me, Ari David, my good friend and producer. Always a pleasure. We um, have a lot to talk about, as always. And um, I, I had a really nice uh, Sunday show. I think I mentioned that the other day about atheism. And, and we talked about this at length the other day. Um, and then I stumbled upon uh, interesting new developments that are happening. And the first thing, of course, is the IRS email situation. Um, did you hear that, uh, that, that there's a new report saying that it, it might take 10 years before they can recover those emails that Lois Lerner uh, has uh, said that uh, she's lost by way of a computer crash? And it's not just her, apparently, six other people too, right? So let me get this straight. So every email that she's had is also lost to all the people. It's, it's, it's magically lost on both ends of the spectrum, Right? I mean, it's, to make the equivalent here, it's like saying, well, my phone doesn't work. Therefore, whatever calls, I, you know, the, the, the person that receives my phone calls also doesn't. His phone doesn't. Right? That's the only way you could truly lose all those emails. Right? When both phones are not there, both, both computers are not sending or receiving emails, then you've got an issue. But even then, you can recover them. We all know this. So they're clearly thinking that they can fool us, uh, but... Everyone knows so much better. This just does not look good. I'm I'm so excited to find that this is that they're they're going to finally go down. The IRS is going to be it's going to be such a an epiphany among the public that these guys are bad agents, that they do the bidding of the government, and uh, predominantly the Democrat side of the government because the Republican side wants to make sure that the IRS has as little money as possible, and uh, they want as much money as possible. So who do you think, uh, you know, what's the expression, what's their beak, as it were? So uh, we're dealing with that. I, I, I've got a feeling that Lois Lerner, in the end, will go to jail. Um, she probably should go to jail. And, and then we now know that there are other things, well, let's, let's put it this way. I'd be very surprised if this does not go all the way to the top. How, how it could be that the IRS would single-handedly decide to focus on conservative groups without the blessing of the president, one way or the other? That's, that, that would be uh, very surprising to me. Very surprising. It goes to the next issue I want to talk about, which is um, Benghazi. But particularly, there's this new book out that... Uh, called Blood Feud. I forget who the author is. You probably know Ari. Uh, but anyway, Ed Klein. Ed, that's right. Klein. Uh, it just came out yesterday or the day before, and it is making quite the stir. Okay, now here's the, the gist of it is uh, that Blood Feud is, is, is the war between the Clintons and the Obamas and how they, they hate each other, just despise each other. Now, it's, you can file this under the category of, you know, no surprise, Barack. Is that fine? I mean, I, who, who doesn't know that? Oh, here in the duh file? Right, the duh <laughs> file, right? But it, it illustrates um, the deal-making and the anger, that, that the blood feud that's going on between them. And it runs deep for, for many, many years now, since the, the 2007 uh, campaigning and throughout the uh, 2008 election process and even beyond. And one of the things that has come to light, and this you can, uh, this is not such a big deal what I'm about to say, so 
again, don't don't be don't think that I'm presenting this for the purpose of saying, "Wow, can you believe this?" Uh, they apparently had a golf course meeting. Uh, he, uh, meaning Clinton and Obama, and they both came to an arrangement where, uh, although they disliked each other quite a bit, they they were going to be um, allies when it came to the elections. And Clinton said, "Look, I'll back you." for the 2012 re-election, so long as you agree to back Hillary. And he actually said, back us, you know, the two of us sort of thing. But that's fine. Uh, so long as, as you agree to back Hillary during her campaign in 2016, presuming that that would happen. And of course, the deal was struck. And you know, Okay, so I'm cool with that. I, I don't think that's surprising at all. This is what, this is what uh, politics is all about. I, you can't say that that's illegal, right? So that's, that's, again, the no surprise file. Here's what is very interesting, however. Benghazi. It, it turns out that once Hillary was Secretary of State and the whole Benghazi mess happened, it was the Obama administration that came up with this idea of the video. And they wanted her, Hillary Clinton, to take the fall for this and to trot, that, trot this out as the reason for the riots. And she refused. And she talked to Bill Clinton, and, and they both said, this is not, not right. It can't be done. It should, they, they actually talked about her resigning uh, because she, she couldn't deal with this. And they discovered that uh, when they weighed all their options, they realized that the only thing they could do was to go along with the program and basically agree that this, to, to this video narrative, which was utterly false, of course. So it's a, 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 that part is fascinating to me. And apparently, there are recordings of, con of these conversations. So, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, I, I don't think it's going to be very pretty very soon. Now, Hillary Clinton is going to have to start explaining herself. Uh, the, the blood feud com comes out, what, only a couple of weeks after Hillary Clinton's book, the biography comes out, which is just tanking. It's doing terribly. And this blood feud thing is now going to completely overshadow her book to the extent that it has any notoriety at all. Anyway, uh, I'm, I'm not saying this with glee, by the way. Yeah, you are. Uh, I'm listening to it with glee. <laughs> you are listening to it I'm with glee. I'm giggling. And maybe our listeners are listening to it with glee. But I, the only glee I guess I could, say, I could say is that I love it when truth comes out. Not, not a salacious truth like, oh, you know, guess who, uh, guess who has two boyfriends at the same time, and, you know, guess who's having an affair? I, I don't really care about that. That's just scandal for the sake of scandal. But I'm talking about truth coming out in this kind of massive scale. This is, this is, uh, this is not just salacious. This is where a crime has happened. Uh, on, a, on a presidential level, where they lied about what happened, uh, they did not own up to the disastrous results of what happened in Benghazi. Four brave men died. And we owe it to them to have the truth come out of why they died. That's what we owe. And how they try to bamboozle the public. And I want our public officials to know that the truth always comes out, even if you're the president. That's what's going to happen. And it's happening with the IRS as well. And it's happening with Benghazi. And if there's any theme that I want to push here is that truth somehow always seems to push its way through. And uh, it's it's a function of a lot of different reasons, but it's it's almost if it's almost as if truth has its own life, 
it, it just has to come out. It's, it's not just the people that happen to know better and all that stuff. It just has its own life. So I say that you're amused, Ari. What do you have to say about well, that? Well, <laughs> the way you just described it is, and I know this is kind of edgy for the Barack Lurie show, but it's kind of like you go to that questionable restaurant after drinking at that bar after closing time. Maybe it's that taco truck. And then you go to work the next day and you're in that meeting and truth as an indigestion is pushing its way out. <laughs> right. You're trying to hold it back. And the more you hold it back, the more likely you are that truth is going to come out in that meeting. <laughs> I see. All right. Well, if you can imagine. You mean a burp. Yes. Yes. That's what, that's what you meant. <laughs> yes. That's right. That kind of indigestion. Sure. A little belt. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Indigestion. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it's a, that, that could be very offensive. Yeah. I agree with you about that. <laughs> All right, David. I'm sorry. <clears throat> so, um, well, I thought that, I thought maybe it was like food poisoning, and then you throw yeah, up. like food poisoning. That's right. You throw up the next day, right there in, in the in the board yeah. meeting. Um, you know, it, it does it does come out. Truth is has its own way. It's as if it's as if God seeks out people who know better and who will push this out, and it'll be by witnesses here and somebody who saw something else happening there. But uh, the, the truth cries out. Now, look, there are many times you can, you can say that, that things have been hidden in history and are not coming out, but they, they do. They do come out. The Venuna Papers came out. We found out about the Soviet Union. Right. It took 80 years, but... Not 80, 40 years. 40 okay, 40. Years. 40 yeah. But I'm saying from the time of this horrible construction called the Soviet Union. The, yes, that's true. The ultimate truth event. And, and you know what's so funny about the IRS? By the way, but let's just tell for our listeners... Uh, Ari just referred to the Venona Papers, and for those who may not know about this, what this what this is, the Venona Papers, um, in 1992 they came out, the Russians came out with the Venona Papers, and they basically revealed that uh, all these people who were in fact spies for the Soviet, the former Soviet Union, and it turns out that uh, Eugene McCarthy was quite correct in his assessment and his indictments. And he wasn't guessing. He actually had information. Not Eugene, Joseph. I'm sorry, Joseph McCarthy. Gosh, that's right. Joseph McCarthy. Eugene was very different Yes, he was. Joseph. Very good point. Joseph McCarthy was actually quite right. Um, and it's because he had information that he could not disclose to the general public. But we, he had insider information. And from the public's point of view, it seemed like it was just a witch hunt. But it wasn't. It was, in fact... Uh, very well researched, very well provable, and uh, it, the Venona Papers proved Joseph McCarthy right. Now, here that's the problem with history. So much time passes that McCarthyism is a, is a it's its very own word right now, and it uh, takes on new meaning. And, and for you to say that McCarthy is right, uh, you look like a crazy person. But it's not it's not being crazy because the Venona Papers prove it. So it was the archive of Soviet KGB documents yeah. about all their propaganda campaigns to destroy the West. Right, and that, and there it was. So I mean, you know, it's like all those people with uh, who have the, uh, the, the who believe in the lunar, the lunar, the lunar uh, landing. It was a big fraud, right? So you know, the answer is they're up up there on the moon, right? We left the American flag up there, <laughs> so one day we'll go up there, and if it's not there, well, then it was a big charade. It was a big conspiracy. If we find it, well, then it wasn't, right? Now, obviously, I, don't, I do not believe in a lunar conspiracy. I think that is loony, as it were, um, because of, there's just too many factors to suggest otherwise. It's, it's just simply stupid. I'm sorry if I'm insulting anybody here, but the, the facts just don't justify 
uh, a, a moon conspiracy. Um, anyway, why, why am I saying all this? I'm saying it because we have, on the one hand, uh, all this truth that needs to come out. And it does come out. And that's true with the IRS and Benghazi and otherwise. It came out with Watergate. It came, and it even comes out with history much later on. I mean, sometimes thousands of years later on. Uh, we learn something about a particular episode in history that we thought was very different. One of the things we, we for example, um, came out later on, it was, it was a big mystery, was the city of Troy. It was, it was thought to be fictional. But then we discovered that there was a city of Troy. We found it. And uh, same thing with, uh, you can go on and on with this. Uh, there's a lot of uh, lost letters and things that reveal a lot of things that you, that just completely turn your entire understanding of history. And that's the way it is with uh, IRS. Fortunately, in a democracy, systems are in place which force the truth to come out much faster than just archaeological digs would allow. Uh, we have subpoena power by the Congress. We have uh, uh, the political process is such that people are always watching you, and you can't get away with that crap, as it were. And the IRS emails, classic example of that. Nobody believes her. No, no, no serious player believes that she actually lost the, um, the, uh, the emails. If you believe that she lost the emails, then you also believe that the Benghazi riots were caused by a video. And thanks to MSNBC, there are a bunch of people who do believe that, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. You know, the garbage in, garbage out minds of media. Uh, something very interesting regarding the IRS emails, though, that no one is talking about, yeah. which is just a reality, is think about the hubris it takes if you are the people involved in concealing this stuff right now. Ignoring the fact that the, the level of skill that hackers have now and the access hackers have to any computer system in the world is unprecedented. Are you telling me Julian Assange and Anonymous and those hacker mafia groups, if you will, aren't working on this feverishly, and they're going to release it through Edward Snowden or Glenn Greenwald or whoever as soon as they get it. And when they get it, it's going to be explosive because the data is somewhere on some server, and those guys know how to get it. It's too easy, right? I mean, yeah. a, a hacker will be able to find this very easily. I mean, uh, I mean, this weekend with the Sonosoft, you know how someone found that out? They just search tweets, an in-depth, like, low-level uh, search of tweets to find some company that might have tweeted about getting the IRS contract, and there it was, Sonosoft. Right. Well, uh, you know, why don't you describe for our listeners, Ari, about the Sonosoft background, because it's not too clear from what you just said. Sonosoft was a uh, backup server that the IRS had actually hired. Yeah, it was and, like Carbonite. That's right, Carbonite. Industrial, uh, an industrial, you know, large, big iron uh, version of like a Carbonite cloud backup system. Right. And the IRS hired them in 2005 to handle what? Backups? No. Email backups. <laughs> right. Specifically, email backups. Right. From 2005 to 2010-11, Sonosoft was backing up all of the IRS's email. And then, right around the time Lois Lerner's computer crashed, the IRS, lo and behold, out of the blue, cancels the contract with Sonosoft Okay, fine. We change vendors all the time. I drop Dell and hire Apple for my computers. Sure. But they didn't hire a new one. Right. They didn't hire... Uh, and they didn't hire the new one before they dropped Sonosoft. Right. Yeah, there was no... How convenient. It was very convenient. And um, so if, if, they, if Sonosoft has the emails 
uh, but then it gets canceled, then it's likely that they have to give back all the servers that, that might host these emails. Um, then you can't even go after Sonosoft for the emails because presumably Sonosoft would have the emails that are supposedly backed up. And why would Sonosoft keep them if they no longer had a contract with a government agency? That would possibly expose them to liability if they were if they ever were released. Uh, I, I, I know, agree. Pro, assuming this scandal didn't happen or something like that. Right, right. But uh, you know, everything is subject to subpoena power. And I can tell you from a, law, a lawyer's point of view, you know, e what we call e-discovery is a very important new area of law. You need to keep your emails. You have to have a system in place where things are backed up. And that's the law on it. So I keep my emails, and uh, companies keep other keep, companies keep their emails, except apparently for the IRS. So because the company, the the one agency in charge of financial regulations that goes after companies for either keeping or not keeping emails, right. is the one agency of government that doesn't keep their own. Right. You know, what would be really nice is if 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 let's say the IRS were auditing you. And you want to prove X, whatever it is, that, that uh, this particular dinner or this trip that you took to Africa was for business purposes, right? <laughs> and you would say, well, you, you could show the emails and saying, Charlie, I'm looking forward to uh, you know, getting that uh, you know, pr promotional gig from you. I'll see you in Johannesburg uh, in, in January of uh, 2012, right? And, and, and then you would just say, well, I lost that email, IRS. <laughs> I don't have that anymore. You see, what happened was that my computer crashed, and I don't have it now. So you just have to believe me. Okay? Do you think the IRS would be accepting of such an excuse, for example? Sure, after you spent 20 years in jail. Right. Then you've done – yeah, that's exactly right. Well, uh, we were living in such interesting times right now, and this administration is going to be on the defensive for the next two and a half years. No, no, no. Ten and a half. Just remember, after Obama leaves office, these cases are still pending. How long would the statute of limitations be on any civil, civil or criminal? Like, take the uh, the Benghazi four, their families. How, how? What's the statute of limitations of them going after Obama personally, if it ever came out that? It, it, de it depends on the cause of action, first of all. It also depends on the jurisdiction. So whether it's federal or state... Um, if it's I, murder, there is none. There's right? no That's statute of limitations. Forever. Well, for most states, actually, there are, I think there is, that the law might be different in different states. But um, for most crimes, there there are statutes of limitations. For civil causes of action, uh, negligence and otherwise, it could be two years, sometimes four years. But that's for the date that you file the complaint, where you initiate the action. It's not the time by which you have to resolve the problem. So, for example, if you owe me money. Uh, and, and I want to sue you, it's a four-year statute for written contracts. And I file a complaint on the after three years and 350 50 days, six days before the uh, – 360 days, five, five days before the statute actually runs, I'm good to go. The, the actual complaint can, can take four years to resolve itself. So you could be – it could be eight years by the time you actually resolve the matter. So – uh, I, I'm not too worried about that right now. I, I think you know they'll do whatever they need to do to make to keep this thing alive. They can't. And if the Obama administration can you just can you just imagine the Obama administration says you can't get me the statute of limitations has, has expired? Can you imagine? Um, they're going to have a tough time with that one. Yeah. And the subpoena power I think has already uh, you know trumped the statute of limitations. 
if there is one. Yeah, and you know what's lost in all of this? The IRS specifically was named in Obamacare as the enforcement arm of Obamacare. So wouldn't it make sense, if you're thinking just really out of the box here, loosey-goosey, that the Obama administration is making the IRS scandal go on and on and on with these emails and the concealment and the harassment of conservatives to cover up the fact that this is going to be the agency that's going to be enforcing your health care regulations? It's, it's, it's a phenomenal thing. Um, it's uh, to, to make the IRS even bigger. Um, <clears throat> look, if, 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 you, if you have a vested interest in seeing the success of the IRS and that means that it grows and that you have more people on the payroll and that you yourself will get bigger bonuses. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. Is there any doubt in your mind that Lois Lerner and others in her position or close to her position uh, got uh, a lot of promises and a lot of bonuses and they would be taken care of if they proceeded to, uh, to you know, target the conservative groups that they, that they did and then, of course, try to cover it later on? The, uh, the fly-on-the-wall uh, scenarios here are, are just have to be so rich. I, I would love to be uh, a fly-on-the-wall when the president is talking to Lois Lerner and uh, what, what actually happened in Benghazi. Those are two things that are so related in some ways, right? They, they're related in time, for sure. They're very, you know, coincide. They coincide very uh, obviously. However, the issues are, are really dramatically similar in the sense of, uh, this administration really trying to hide who it is, what it is, and what its agenda really is. And, and uh, I think we've got a, a lot to see, and there's going to be a lot more in the future. Yeah, and I, wa I want you to think about something. This is kind of interesting. Imagine if you were president it, it, while Obama was president. The, you, you're, you are him. Okay. And I share his first name, day, so it's, for, it's yeah. not so far. <laughs> oh, easy. And <laughs> right. your day-in, day-out work has to do with the same issues. Uh, in the case of the 2011 to 13 time frame, you're dealing with things like uh, Obamacare going through the Supreme Court, um, Syria, Egypt, uh, the rest of the Arab world's turmoil, China, Russia, Venezuela, etc. All of these things. And these things in your national security and daily briefings take up time. And then you have all the domestic stuff. Dealing with the economy. Remember, this is the time frame he's not resting because the economy, you know, I will not rest until every child has a job they can afford or whatever right. it is, right? And then he's got his golf, his vacations on top of that. So that's a full plate. But what's he concentrating on? Covering up all the, all the stuff yeah, from it, it, God. This, 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 this reminds it's me. So, it's such an overload. Yeah. This reminds me of um, a case that I had, I don't know, about 15 years ago where we discovered that a trustee in a bankruptcy case, trustees are, are they're entrusted with the assets of a bankruptcy estate. And um, they, are, they have obligations to the estate and all the creditors of the estate. And that's the way it works. And this was a fairly large estate. <clears throat> and it turns out we discovered that the trustee had taken missteps in the administration of the estate. And it, it, he affected one of, uh, he affected my client, who was not one of the debtors. He was a partner of the debtor, and he basically destroyed my client's assets and his whole business in the process. And we, we sued him uh, on the grounds that uh, he, he was acting outside of his capacity as a trustee, and he caused the, the estate caused damage to us. Now, why do I bring this all up? 
because um, he got so consumed in the defense of this case that he was actually using estate assets to defend that case, right? So we filed a motion to remove him as trustee, and, and we succeeded in doing so. Uh, and the judge correctly, I, obviously I think correctly, decided that uh, the, the trustee was just engaged far too much in the defense of this case. It was consuming all of his time as opposed to actually administering this estate. Um, somebody needed to replace him, and we could continue to sue that trustee, but he didn't need to be uh, a, a trustee of this estate any longer. Thank you very much. So uh, that is what it reminds me of. This president is like that trustee who is spending, by definition, a tremendous amount of time um, stopping, you know, from his perception, the barbarians at the gate, right? He shouldn't be doing that. He should be focusing on uh, our foreign policy disasters and uh, the, all the problems there. He should be, uh, I mean, in a Democrat's mind, of course, not in a conservative mind, uh, but he should be focusing on domestic affairs. Healthcare, education, the environment, based on their own talking points. Right, their own talking points, right. right. I mean, we, clean we, air, clean we, water. We actually prefer that he doesn't do that, but that's another right. story. Um, uh, but, but he should be doing things that presidents do, okay, that, that we expect not to constantly be defending himself the entire time. And, and this is what we're going to have. Now, uh, the last thing I'll say about this before we move on to our next topic, because I think you'll like this next topic a lot, Ari. Um, but... The last thing I'll say about it is we have two and a half more years with this guy. And you and I are thinking about, wow, this is going to resonate, this Benghazi business. This is going to keep on echoing, and he's going to have to deal with this for the rest of his term. And, and as you say, even after his term. And likewise with the IRS emails, right? And VA to some extent and, uh, and, and the other things that have been cropping up. But guess what? There are going to be at least three more big scandals that will surface before the end of his term. Three, count them, three. And uh, so today's date is June 24, 2014. His term ends sometime in January, January of 2017. 20, 2017. I, okay, so th those are the bookmark, no, bookends of the time period that we're talking about. And I'm saying there are going to be at least three new scandals, not, not you know, echoes of the old, other scandals. New scandals. Big ones. Big ones. <laughs> And just you wait. And we're going to be saying, wow, that's going to be echoing for the rest of the administration and even beyond. We're going to be talking just the same, we are, same way we are right now about IRS and uh, Benghazi and the VA and, 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 and Obamacare. And we'll be saying about one of these unnamed scandals, I'll call it scandal asterisk. Right. Thank God Obama has scandal asterisks. Otherwise, we'd be talking about the IRS and Benghazi right. <laughs> and AP and Fast and Furious and Obamacare and oh, yeah. uh, NSA and PRISM. And <laughs> it's so hard to what? keep them straight. I mean, there's so many of them. You actually oh, have... and the economy. Don't forget the economy, stupid. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, the, the whole world is on fire. But that's another story altogether. Yeah, totally an unimportant story. Um, and, and the weakening of our defenses. You, you literally have to write a list now because you can't, you know, when, when Nixon was president, you could say, all you have to remember is Watergate. Just say, you know, he shouldn't have uh, covered up. Uh, should the, have broken Brooklyn. in and then threatened to use the IRS against the Democrats. Okay. There you go. That's Done. it. And, and that's all you have to remember. You don't have to memorize that, right? No, with Clinton, it was Monica Gate. Oh, you, know. you don't have to pull out a card, a three by five, and saying, Here's, here are my talking points. 
And now to, to get all these lists, like if I'm, if I'm trying to spew out all the scandals, I can't remember them all. There's so many of them that it requires too much of a memory capacity in my head to do so. I have to literally write them all out. And there's like 10 of them. And, and it's a growing list, as we know. So anyway, it's, I, I think that part is, is funny in and of itself. I want to move on to another topic. Um, and it, it, it resonates. It's somewhat related. Um, but it's, uh, it's a Rolling Stone article that came out. And the title of it, Six Studies That Show Everything That Republicans Believe Is Wrong. And, you know, they say everything. I mean, they, they present six examples. But that's fine. I mean, if this is everything that we believe... Well, thank God Republicans don't believe water's wet and the sky is blue. Otherwise, right. you yeah, know... No, and, well, we also believe uh, that, that we should have breathed uh, dirty air and, and drink dirty water. But thank goodness they didn't bring that up. Huh. Here are the topics that they did bring up. Um... I mean, the, the title itself is so stupid, right? Because we also uh, believe in, uh, you know, that, that abortion is wrong, okay, uh, under all circumstances. Okay, I guess we're wrong about that, right? We're, and this is a study that shows that we're wrong about that, right? We also believe in limited government. Is there a study that shows that limited government is bad? I mean, we also believe in rugged individualism. Is there a study that shows that that is bad? I mean, no, it, we also believe bank robbery is bad. Is there a study that shows it's yes. good? And we're mistaken. So, so let's get into it, though. Yeah. Six studies that show everything that Republicans believe is bad. This is in the Rolling Stones, um, Rolling Stone magazine, uh, recent uh, edition. And it basically said, um, it starts off with saying this uh, nasty comment. The great 20th century economist John Maynard Keynes has been widely quoted as saying, when the facts change, I change my mind. What do you do, sir? Ha, ha, ha. Right? Like Keynes is their hero, of course. <laughs> Uh, sadly, in their quest to concentrate economic and political power in the hands of the wealthiest members of society, today's Republicans have held the opposite position. As the evidence has piled up against them, they continue spreading the same myths. Here are six simple facts about the economy that Republicans just can't seem to accept. All right. One, the minimum wage doesn't kill jobs. Okay, so they have a total of nine lines of print to prove their point. Nine lines, okay? That's, and it's one paragraph. And I think there might be a run-on sentence or two in there. <laughs> Probably true. And what do they say? What, what, the gist, because I don't want to read the full paragraph. It's a long paragraph, but it's nine lines, and they basically say, they, they don't present any evidence that minimum wage actually works. They simply say that it does work, and they say, ta-da, QED. Uh, it doesn't kill jobs at all. It, uh, the studies show that uh, it will not impact jobs whatsoever. Never mind that the, um, uh, the, the Office of Budget, what is it? The budget OMB. OMB uh, has, has indicated that raising the minimum wage to $10.10 an hour, as Obama himself wanted, uh, would be responsible for losing at least 500,000 jobs right there on the spot. Never mind that. Just, In other words, because 500,000 people make less than 10.10 an hour right, exactly. and aren't worth 10.10 an hour. I, I, maybe that's the reasoning. I don't know. But, but the point is that they um, – it defies common sense, right? But they don't want to address common sense. They don't think about that. They simply say this is the way it's going to be. Now, look, only somebody who hasn't run a business can write this crap. Okay? I run a business. I can tell you that prices matter. 
And and why stop? By the way, why stop at minimum wage? If they think that that minimum wage raising the minimum wage is a great thing and it doesn't matter, then why stop at ten dollars and ten cents? Why not twenty dollars? Well, why stop at wages? Why not well, increase prices of everything? Right, that TV in your living room. Why do you spend fifteen hundred when you could have spent ten thousand for it? You know what, Ari? You're just stealing my thunder, aren't you? You just you just got to take it. <laughs> <laughs> Now, it, it, it's, that, that is exactly, I, I was going to say that, but that's exactly right. Why, why stop at, at wages? Why not say that, you know what, we should also increase the price of all food because, you know what, that food goes to the farmers. The, 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 the payments that you make for the food that you buy goes to those wonderful farmers who, who uh, grew those crops. And uh, we, we need to take care of them and such. So why not raise the price of, of, of crops? Uh, you know, why not raise the price of everything? I mean, why not books? I mean, for example, the books, uh, whether it's Kindle or otherwise, why not demand, demand that prices be raised for um, books? Because, you know, a lot of authors out there are, are just eking by. And you know what? They could use a little bit more money. Thank you very much. So instead of paying um, what you know, the, maybe a going rate of nine dollars and seventy-five cents for a book, for an ebook, you should pay twelve bucks a book. That should not impact you at all. And gosh darn it, you can afford it. So um, you do that, sir. And, and we, the government, will tell you whether you're Kindle or a publisher or anybody, a retailer. This is what you should be charging. Because what about the recording industry? What the, Ninety-nine cents on on iTunes. The artists and the record companies are getting raped for that. that that's that's a strong word, but should, yes. Uh, but it they should did. be ten dollars a song. That's right, ten dollars a song, and and a lot of very poor people, um, who uh, sorry musicians who are just eking by, and you know what? They provide all this wonderful entertainment and art for our benefit, and we're enjoying it. And it's a reusable product, right? You can listen to the music over and over again. Well, by golly, you should be uh, paying maybe not ten dollars a song, but how about if we, you pay uh, instead of ninety-nine cents, you pay a buck fifty? All right. Mm -hmm. I think you can afford it, sir. And uh, and that's the way it should be because if you want more of that music, well, then then you should pay a little bit more. Right. People love music so much that they'll pay anything for that music. That's right. It won't matter. Right. And why not pay for uh, you know? I mean, I love. The computers that we use, I, th I think we can pay another ten percent more. Let's 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 pay a little bit more because you know, greedy Apple uh, computers and Dell and all those other crazy computer companies, they should be paying more for their their employees, and uh, you know they, they they need to do that. So you, the consumer, you can you can pay a little bit more, can't you? Sure, you can. Yeah, right? don't be greedy. Don't be greedy. Don't, don't only shop yeah, for the sale. Yeah. That, that's the amazing thing. The liberals love love it when the prices, and they're very demanding of it. They, they, they demand their prices be low. They seem to understand that prices work in the regular marketplace when they buy things. When they buy them. Right. Like when they buy gas, they think it's too expensive to right. pollute that's the right. earth for three bucks a gallon. <laughs> that's right. Never, never mind that. I mean, I'm just saying that they seem to understand it. Like if, if, if they go to Starbucks um, and they only have limited uh, um, funds – They'll get a small, regular coffee, thank you very much. They won't get a, you know, vente frappuccino, which is a lot more expensive. I got it. They get it. And uh, likewise with uh, the iPhones and the iPods that they used to have. You know, they would only spend so much. That maybe they would wait for the next generation model uh, so they could buy the, what is now the model that's at a cheaper price. Maybe they'll get it secondhand. They'll go to Craigslist or eBay to get a cheaper price. 
you get the idea, right? They, they, they seem to understand that uh, you, they can only pay for some things at a certain price, whether it's coffee, computers, iPads, whatever you want, telephones. But when it comes to employers, they seem to think that they, they have all sorts of demands upon us. I'm an employer, and they tell me how I should pay, how much I should pay for my, for my people to work for me. And they think it won't affect and you they tell hiring me it affect new me. people. Yeah, and yeah why, why, why can't I tell them? You know, uh, you can pay more for, for the, the songs, for the books, for the frappuccinos. You know, all those things are very important. Every time, you know, in fact, you should pay more at every restaurant you go to because the more you pay for the restaurant, the more the tip is. And it won't affect us eating at a restaurant. Right, for, not at all. Uh, yeah, that's not. Number in fact, in fact, the, the, the standard, it shouldn't be 15%, a standard tip. It should be 25%. I think oh. you can afford it, sir. Um, and, and these are waiters that, that really could use the money, um, my friend. I, I think there's a problem. I, I don't mean to somewhat change the subject. I, I'm really sorry if this does, and I might be totally off base here. But aren't these the same liberals who, when it came to cigarette smoking and taxes, insisted that we increase the cost per pack with those penalties and taxes because they wanted to Limit reduce <laughs> smoking? Yeah, reduce the demand for smoking. That's right. They seem to understand that too. And they seem to understand yeah, they that. they seem to have understood that when it comes to cigarettes. Yes. Yeah. But there's no such thing as supply and demand when it comes to hiring Anything labor. else. <laughs> yeah. Labor is a, 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 it's a thing that you pay for, okay? Just like you pay for your computers, just like you pay for the furniture in your office, just like you pay for the vendors uh, who, or your copy machine or anything else that you have, or the rent, right? But somehow they like to carve out this exception as if somehow money doesn't know that it's being spent when it's being spent for labor. It, it only knows when it's being spent for rent <laughs> or food or your furniture, like I said, or music. But, but money seems to have its own mind. It, it will not affect anybody's behavior so long as it's for, for labor, you understand. The, this is what makes me so upset is I think what really is insulting is they're telling me, and I want you to pause as you hear this, they're telling me what I would do if I raised, if, if I were forced to pay a higher wage. They're treating you like you're a rat in a maze, and they've just given you a, and they're running a laboratory, right. and they've given you a stimuli, right. and you're, of course, going to react to the stimuli the way the experiment is set up for you to right. react. There's no and there's no free will, there's no other options, there's no variables. You're going to go, you were going this way, right. here comes an electric shock, you yeah. must go that way. And I'll tell you, as every employer will tell you, because that, you know, we always laugh about how uh, a lot of these atheist scientists you know, they, they refuse to see the monkey uh, on their back, which is, it's God. God is right there in the room, and you're just ignoring him altogether. In a in much less um, uh, sophisticated sense, they're ignoring the employer in this conversation, aren't they? They don't ask any employer about this. I'm an employer, uh, and, and, and there are many other employers, and I can tell you, every single employer will tell you, yes, the price of labor affects my behavior. Right? If, if you were, and, and the easy way to explain this is if you were suddenly telling me that the people that I am hiring at $20 an hour, that I now have to pay them $120 an hour, I'm going to tell you I'm going to have one less employee 
at least, if not a lot more, a lot uh, fewer employees. That's the way it works, my friends. And don't tell me, don't tell me that I'm going to keep them, unless you force me to keep them, I suppose. But as a, as a, as a matter of supply and demand, no, sir, I'm not keeping them. And right. other employers, I suspect, in fact, I know, will say exactly the same thing. And who are you to tell me what small increment or big increment is acceptable for my business to tell me how to, uh, what, what increment is, is something that I can manage? How the frig do you know? What if, what if I'm, I'm going up to the very tilt when I'm paying somebody the minimum wage, the present day minimum wage, and I just can't figure out a way, any other way, to, uh, to, to run my business other than paying them the very minimum wage. And then you tell me I have to pay them another 40 cents, another dollar and 40 cents. Okay, bye-bye. See you later. I might have to close down my entire shop. Well, Obama told you what you need to do. If you don't remember. Oh, that's right. I have to be more take efficient. Take a haircut? Yeah, no, no. That's right. You have to take a haircut. Oh. And you know that nice house you live in that you like to keep 72 degrees? Right. Well, you're going to have to live in a smaller house. And right. you know the, that nice education you're trying to give your children because you think that public school isn't good enough for you? Yeah. Well, you're going to have to send your kids to public right. school. And you're going to have to take some responsibility. This is Democrat thinking. This is what Obama yeah. has told you. You're going to have to take responsibility. If you don't like those public schools, you're going to have to go every Tuesday night to your local school board meeting and spend time telling them. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? I, Do you that, see how just evil that is? It, it, that, that is evil, but I'll, I'll give it to the liberals Remember what I told you, what we always say, you can never accuse a liberal of thinking things through, right? What you've just engaged in is a falsity because it, it assumes that a liberal will think things through. That is actually an intellectually honest answer. It's an evil answer, evil, because it basically would require me to change my entire lifestyle. Based on government whim. Government whim. And I now, you know, instead of me having the natural response, which is, okay, I'm sorry, Charlie, but I've got to fire you. I've got to fire one of the, one of the four of you, okay? If you, want, if you want your jobs, one of you is going to have to be fired. Okay, thanks, guys. And uh, because I'm, I ain't going to change. I'm not going to send my kids to public school. I, I want my lifestyle. Thank you very much. And I, I shouldn't have to compromise it for the sake of an employee who may or may quit on me anyway, right? So... Uh, th that's just, it's just so palpably stupid and it makes me so angry because they dare to tell me what I would do. And it's, it's, uh, it angers me further in the sense that they just don't even bother to ask employers. They don't. Yeah. You know what I think you should have addressed that you haven't yet? In the first line, read the first line again of, of this part. The, the great 20th century economist John Maynard Keynes has widely been quoted as saying, when the facts change, I change my mind. What do you do, sir? And then the next yeah. one. Sadly, in their quest to concentrate economic and political power in the hands of the wealthiest members of society. Stop. All right. Okay, that's very telling. Of course. They have made a strawman argument in the get-go that is completely false. Right. They've attributed, forget the, the point you just made, which is a great one, about how much you resent, as I do, that they deign to tell us how to live our lives in a free country. Or to tell me what I'm going to be doing. They've based their entire premise on why they w believe they should control your lives based on a falsehood. They think you exist because you want to, co you want to constrict the wealth of the nation yeah, to I, the very wealthiest right. people. 
president. of whom you are not. That's right. That, 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 that's well, as if okay, you wait, and wait. I vote Republican just so we can make some other dude richer. Right, right. It's, it's, it's obviously stupid. And he says it in passing. I, I remember when I read that. I, I, it's so stupid. It's so in passing. Like he'll say, you know, uh, to um, – he might as well have said, you know, in their quest to uh, advance their racist and greedy – uh, agenda, right? It might as well have said he that might too. as well have said in passing. As we all know, Jews want Israel so they can increase their control of the banks. Uh, the the peace process has to be this, right? Yeah, right? yeah. It, they, they just say it's 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 these nasty. Uh, it's a little sucker punch. Okay, it's a sucker punch, and it's exactly what uh, they they would like to do. But look, I, I don't even want to go to that position because it's so palpably obvious. I just want to address the the six points that they make. The next one is. Uh, about the, it says the stimulus created millions of jobs. Okay. And it says here, and this is, this is even shorter. This is a six line paragraph that they want to just blow away. So this, this can only resonate with the, the, the diehard liberal, right? He wants to believe that the Republicans are wrong in everything. And here, here we have, uh, somebody saying, uh, the stimulus created millions of jobs and you don't have to think. Okay. So, uh, in the aftermath of the 2007 recession, uh, President Obama invested in a massive stimulus. He invested, you know, you understand. His, His money. Yeah. The Republican, yeah. And, and, and how, it, lost in this, of course, is how did he invest it? What, it, you, you get this image that, you know, he, he, he caused all this money to be sent over for these shovels and and that he of course, took money from his book sales and just bought us a freeway. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Magically well, bought some concrete. No, no, I'm not even. I'm not going there, Ari. I'm not going there. I'm saying that that they make you think that they actually put money to hire workers, for example, to build that freeway or to repair that freeway. Right. That's the image you get when you hear about the stimulus. But we now know that the stimulus money was not used directly, at least, for any of such things. It was given to, to sweetheart deals to, to give to different uh, states that have nothing to do with improving the infrastructure. Yeah, I mean, Solyndra they, and it's, such. It's a, yeah, it's a big assumption that there is. So calling an investment, it automatically your mind automatically goes a certain direction, right? Anyway, it's, it's palpably stupid. Let me continue. The Republican belief that markets are always good and government is always bad led them to argue that diverting resources to the public sector this way would have disastrous results. They were wrong. The stimulus worked with the most reliable studies finding that it created millions of jobs. Okay. All right. So never mind that they don't even list what the studies are. What the studies are, yeah. Um, Whose study? But but, but you you see, Ari, they don't have to list it because they are apparently the most reliable studies. Therefore, why even bother listing what the studies are? They're telling you that they're reliable, so... Who are you to question the reliability? Oh, and what's that you say? You say that you can actually look outside and see whether or not millions of jobs were created? Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's look outside. It didn't create jobs, folks. I you have a whole bunch of for rent signs on Wilshire right now. I mean, I, exactly. I, I, I mean, I understand that this article written in, 19, in 2008 when they were actually advancing the stimulus to say that it will create millions of jobs. But don't – you can't fool me now. It, What's that expression? Don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining, right? That's <laughs> yeah, like going to Detroit and telling and saying, "Look at the wonderful architecture of Rome." Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the slum. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, that's that's, that's that's pathological. Don't tell me that stimulus worked. I mean, I, I mean what's that expression that uh, that Groucho Marx said when um, when he was caught with another woman, right? Because 
and, and he says, no, I, I didn't do anything. You know, and, and he says to his wife, he says, who are you going to believe, me or your lying eyes, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that, that, that's what it is. <laughs> so, and the, the, the stimulus did not work. It's clear. You can see it with your own lying eyes, as it were. It's, don't say, you, you cannot tell me that this stimulus worked. Are you serious? It's been six years. You, you're so full of crap. I mean, just, anyway. And, and it's I'm, so, I'm, I'm sorry to be so plain here, folks, but, you know, sometimes you, sometimes have, to, you have to be. You have to speak yeah. in plain terms. And, and it's, it's the same kind of thinking of uh, on global warming, 90% of the scientists. Well, who? 90%. That's right. <laughs> right. Well, it's, it's funny that you say that because he continues on. The fact that government stimulus works, long denied by Republicans, at least when Democrats are in office, <laughs> is a consensus among economists. Okay. Really? Oh, who? Are those? <laughs> uh, but trust me. Well, this time it's even more questionable because they didn't say reliable economists <laughs> or uh, discerning economists. Um, obviously, who did they who, even list guy? Krugman's name? That at least fine. You at least said it was Krugman or Friedman. Well, know? that that would take the whole paragraph to seven lines instead of six. You know, so you can't do that. <laughs> uh, with only four percent arguing that unemployment would have been lower without the stimulus. Okay, this is just stupid. Yeah, I, I, it's you know, it's it's either true or it's not true. And the stimulus clearly did not work. It's one of those. And even Obama said it. That's the funny thing about it. You, you, Obama, President Obama, you have all these fans out there and all these champions to your cause who are, who are saying that the stimulus didn't work. But you yourself acknowledge, at least, that the stimulus didn't work. Shovel-ready wasn't quite as shovel-ready. That's exactly if, what he if, said. If this doesn't work, my whole presidential legacy will be based on it. His own words. That's right. So, so and even their own arguments are false because – they it, it belie this very argument because in this argument they're saying the stimulus created millions of jobs. Well, the Democrats, at least you know the the reasonably honest Democrats, are saying is that yes, the stimulus failed, but the reason why it failed is because those darn Republicans wouldn't give us more money to make it to really make it work. You only gave us a drop of gas in the in the gas tank, uh, Republicans, and so we only moved two inches. Thank you very much, Republicans. That I understand. I mean, it's a false argument, but that has been the argument. And this argument in the Rolling Stone article says that the stimulus actually created millions of jobs, that it was a roaring success. Okay. Anyway, I'm getting angry. Good, good. Get yeah, angry. You, li you like that. This is the, I think this is your best radio. When, you, <laughs> when this is who we want. <laughs> I'll let the listeners decide to see how, <laughs> whether they like. Anyway, number three. Taxing the rich does not hurt economic growth. Growth. All right. Um, How do you define growth? Yeah, what, what is growth, right? I mean, now, this is, this, this is when they actually go into length. It's actually three short paragraphs. And I'm going to count the lines for you, okay? So five and a half. Okay, five, ten. That's 13 lines. Lucky 13 lines. Wow, this is, this is really intense and well-researched thought here. Okay, I'll give you the gist of this. They're basically saying... Uh, taxing the rich doesn't hurt economic growth. That's the essence of their argument. It's a circular argument, but that's their argument, that, it, uh, that it's no big deal. You can tax them. And, of course, it doesn't say to what level or anything else. But would you agree with me, dear liberal friend, that you can tax the rich and you can tax the rich, right? You can tax the rich at 3% and, uh, and you can tax the rich, the rich at 99%. Would you agree with me? that at 
uh, it would probably be crippling to the economy. That eventually the rich would simply say, I'm out of here. I'm going to find a nice island somewhere in the Caribbean or a different country. Renounce my citizenship, move to Turkey or Iraq or a country right. that wants my money. <laughs> right. Do, do, do you understand that, dear liberal? Do, do, I know you understand that. You must understand that because things are never in a vacuum. People behave differently when they are forced to pay more money. Just like the minimum wage that we discussed about, just like the iPads and iPhones and everything else that we love and treasure, we seem to understand that there's a market force there, that people pay uh, for something they can afford, and that, that people buy less of things that they can't afford. All right? It's as simple as that. If taxing the rich it, works so well, why did the Clintons create all these tax shelters? Oh, of course. No, this is too easy. But let, let me finish up with this. I like I like Maserati cars. I think they're beautiful, good fast cars. Taste. Right, good taste, right? I can guarantee you that if Maserati cars only cost twenty thousand dollars, I'd see a few more Maseratis on the road. Okay, you probably have a four or five in your garage I right now. Have, that's right. I like them that much. I might have one. I might have one of uh, many different colors. We should know? hang out. <laughs> that's right. We share similar taste. But you got to hear me on this one. It, that, that's obvious, right? What I just yeah. said. Okay. But you don't see that many Maseratis. Why? Because the, the Maseratis are extremely expensive and only so many people can afford them. Okay. Likewise with taxes, my friend. Look, taxes are the price of doing business. Are you with me? Does that, is that a fair statement, dear listener? Yes, it is. Okay. So if you are doing business, you're going to be taxed. And now the price of, of, of that is the percentage of the tax that you're going to be paying to the government. And, and by the way, people negotiate this in leases all the time, right? A tenant will pay the, the landlord a certain percentage of his gross receipts, right? Sometimes it's 6%. Uh, so percentage is, is, a, is a very common way of paying something, right? So and, and if, the, if the tenant is, if the landlord required the tenant to pay, say, 95% of his gross receipts, you would say, bye-bye, <laughs> I'll go somewhere else. It's insane. Um, but yet, they, they somehow, again, they, they think that there is no impact whatsoever on the, on, on the behavior of business when prices increase. But when you read this article, they talk again, yet again, about studies uh, without, of course, naming any of the studies. Um, and they otherwise talk about uh, other countries. Okay, so, and I'll read you the last part of it, and then we can talk, uh, just shoot it down very easily. In the last paragraph, it says, every other country in the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, that's the OECD, you know, that's, it makes it more formal when you have acronyms. Give some uh, word salad to it. Right, and, and, they, and they love these, these organizations. They think they actually mean something. Like the United Nations, it's very meaningful to them. For us, it's just a, it's just a sorry excuse for uh, a, a misuse of land in New York City prime real estate. But anyway, I digress. Every other country, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development has far lower levels of inequality than the United States. Since there are no economic benefits of inequality, why hasn't the right conceded the argument? Because it's based on class interest, not empirical evidence. QED, my friend, QED. Zing, right? They think they got you. All right, but of course, this is palpably stupid right on its face. Um, what, is it, what does it mean to have lower levels of inequality? What does that mean, first of all? And, uh, you know, everyone could be suffering. I mean, 
it's going to France, living in France sucks. Uh, it's, it's a very, it's actually, the, the income level is so hor horrendously low, but they're equally horrendous. There are very few wealthy people in France altogether, but there are many, many poor people, all right? So what is poor here, by the way, is middle class in England, okay? So don't give me this garbage about what's inequality. what's poor here is royalty in Ethiopia. That's right, good example. But, but that's not, a, not even neither here nor there because inequality is such a loosey-goosey word. It, it, they, they can't back it up. They don't even pretend to back it up with studies. And by the way, have you noticed that Europe is collapsing? Hmm, okay. Well, I'll take my surviving country that, that provides freedom and opportunity for everyone that has provided, has been the greatest economic force in history over any, of, uh, any European country that is, that is devolving into chaos as we speak. Okay, and, 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 and lost in all this again is how liberals just fail to recognize how we got here in the first place. It was through something called capitalism. It was never through socialism. And all the problems we have is because capitalism, every time capitalism is distorted, we have these problems that then they say a non-capitalist solution must ride to the rescue. Right. So, so that's the answer. The answer, why hasn't the right conceded the argument? As, as, as if this is something we would concede. It's amazing. Because the reason why we don't concede it, because it's totally false. That's the reason why How we don't concede it. How about because it's an argument? Arguments go on. They're conversations. Well, they never end. Well, no, I, <laughs> I think this one it does end, because I think capitalism clearly succeeds and socialism fails. And they are arguing for socialism. Whether they call it socialism or not, whether they have cute words like income inequality and uh, you know, fairness in taxation or minimum wage, it's all, it's all an effort to try to equalize the playing field. That's my concern with it. And then, and then they would say it's based on class interest. Come on. I mean, with, America is the least, it is the most upwardly mobile society, not only in the world, but in the history of the world. Nowhere in, in history has somebody been able to be, to rise from very poor uh, upbringing to wildly successful. Okay, and, and we don't have the class distinctions, but they want to claim that we do, so that's up to them. Let me just do a test on you on that. Yeah. Dr. Dre of the band NWA, who's now almost a billionaire, and the very wealthy Spike Lee, do you begrudge them that they are wealthy now, but they weren't once? Those guys are amazing. I mean, it's, it's amazing right. what they did. It would be an honor to meet either or hang out with them. Yeah, I mean, and there's no class envy here. There's no class distinction. There's no, uh, let's pull up the drawbridge and not let them into our country club if we play golf. We're more than happy to have them. That, that happens, That's the truth of conservatism. Right. That happens in the countries that they are so fond of. It's a place called Europe. Uh, they, they are very class-oriented. I mean, yeah, if you don't have the right last name, you don't get in, yeah, no matter I, how successful I you so are. This is just garbage, yet again. Okay, global warming. Next one is global warming is caused by humans. That's the statement that they believe is clear. Um, well, by this article. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, of right. course. Right. So uh, they have approximately, uh, again, uh, 13 lines. Of hot uh, air. For this. <laughs> Very funny. Um, the we've, uh, they basically argue, of course, that uh, this is the obvious one, where they, they say that all these scientists have agreed that there is global warming and that it's a concerted effort on the part of the, of the Republicans, a conspiracy, if you will, um, to undermine global warming, and that we're all fools, no, you know, no doubt because we're in the pocket of the oil companies. Um, but they, and they finalize the whole thing by saying, um, this is not an abstract academic debate. 
the effects of climate change will be devastating and poor countries will be hurt the worst. Or we've already seen the results. Studies have linked global warming to Hurricane Sandy, droughts, and other extreme weather events. More importantly, doing nothing will end up being far more expensive than acting now. One study suggests it could wipe out 3.2% of global GDP annually. Okay, and once again, you know, again with their studies. So it begs the question, of course, are, are these studies right? Uh, are they politically motivated or they're just, you know, empirically sound? And, but, you know, let's say for the sake of discussion that, um, that they're right, that these studies are right. Isn't it a little bit like, given their track record, you know, for all the, what I call the sky is falling uh, programs that they've had in the past uh, 50 years, and they've been wrong in every single one. Nuclear war, AIDS. The population, population scare. bomb. Right. Yeah. And global cooling, of course. Uh, oops, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. So, so they've been wrong on every single sky is falling, uh, you know, mantra. And they might very well be telling the truth this time. Isn't it a little bit like the liar who's constantly lying, but this time they're telling the truth. And they're angry at you. Angry, you understand. Because you don't believe them this time. <laughs> right? So, oh, that's a good one. So, I mean, that, you know, look, guys, it could very well be right that you're right, but First of all, not only were you wrong in, in history all this time, but you're wrong even in global warming. Well, like, you, you, right. you predicted, Mr. Gore, you predicted that that um, so many islands would already be submerged underwater by the year 2010. Okay, you you predicted that there would be no uh, no polar caps by the year 2011. I think or no 2013. That was last year. Okay, never mind that the polar caps are actually increasing in size. You, you predicted that, uh, that we would see an increase in temperatures in, in, the, in the past 15 years. We've seen a, a decrease in the temperatures. So even within your own microcosm of global warming, you've, you've been failing 100% of the time. Not, not a single thing you have, not a single major thing that you predicted has come out to be true. He's not even getting a C on this test. No. It's a zero. It's a zero. It's, it's, a zero. it's 50% less than an F. Right. And putting aside, you know, it's... it's it's hard to, you know, it's, it's, what's the example that somebody gave me? Um, you know, it's like, it's like the kid who discovers that the magician is keeping, uh, there's a string right there. And uh, how did he pop the quarters? The quarters seem to come out of nowhere, right? But then at some point you're, you get older and you figure that there's a string and you do see the string. And once you see the string, it, the magic goes poof, right? The, the illusion goes and you, you, you're a realist, and you realize, okay, this, the guy's got the string, and he's just trying to fool us. The same thing is true with one simple fact in the global warming debate that the global warming enthusiasts don't like to bring up. And here it is. There was a thing called a little ice age. It happened between the year 1300, almost exactly the year 1300, and ended just after the Civil War in 1865. And we've been climbing out of that little ice age ever since. When do the global warming charts start to show that temperatures have been increasing? That's right. You've guessed it. 1870 or so. Yeah, that's right. So we're climbing out of the, the little ice age to go back to what it was during the Roman days. 
And, and that, that's, that's what the norm is. And they're calling it global warming. And, and it's funny. And all you need for proof of that, by the way, is just look at history. I mean, it's, it's all over. So that's the string I was telling you about with the quarter and everything else. Global warming includes uh, this big falsity that, that they, they don't want you to see that string. And that's the Little Ice Age and history itself. We know that uh, it was so warm in England back during the Roman days. That's why Rome actually invaded England. They, they had wine in England. Wine. Okay. Growing grapes. Yeah. They were growing grapes. They could do that. Uh, the Vikings, and Greenland was, was truly a green land. It, it, that's why the Vikings, do you think this, the Vikings wanted to settle in, in present, something like present-day Greenland? Are you kidding me? Let's, hey, Thor, let's go. There's a bunch of great ice <laughs> in this place called Greenland. You're going to love it there. Okay, it's just palpably stupid, right? Palpably stupid. And then uh, we, we know also that the, the sea levels were actually very high back in the Roman days. If you go to a place uh, in Turkey, what is it called? Uh, Ephesus, it's called. Look at the, go, go to Ephesus. It's a great Roman ruin. It's beautiful. And there's a port there. And the, the port, you actually see that the port of the Roman port, it's very high up. And the water is very low. And say so to yourself, how could they build this port here? The water's way down there. You see where I'm going with this? Oh, I'll tell you why. Because the water used to be up here, many feet higher. That's the reason why. And there wasn't the big uh, man-made issue back then, right? I mean, we can all agree to that. So these are the facts, as, uh, as you'd like to talk about. When the facts change, I change my mind. Okay? How about you, dear liberal? You, you can't win this one, liberals. because And here's why you can't win. Because if you refuse to see facts, you will lose your argument every single time. It is truly like playing chess and you only want to focus on one small area of the board and you ignore all the other pieces that can attack and block you. It changes the game entirely. So uh, this is a, a very shallow argument. And also their behavior. I don't see them selling their beachfront property on the Hamptons or in Malibu en masse. Why are they buying beachfront property? Why are they living? Why are they anywhere near the ocean if this is such a catastrophe. You know, and their own and, behavior. And by the way, uh, I will, I hereby announce that I will buy your beachfront property right now at a discount. For $1. Right, because, you know, why would you want it? Not even yeah. one. I'll, I'll pay you $2,000 for that, for that beautiful mansion and land. Because after all, it's going to be worthless in a, in, a, in a moment's notice because it'll be all underwater. So I'll pay you $2,000. You have $2,000. Boom. Just like that. It's a very good point, Ari. Why not that? I, I'm... I think this is a good market for us. All right, let's let's move to uh, the fifth and sixth one, and, um, and then it, we're done. Then we're done. The Affordable Care Act is working. Well, it is. <laughs> if uh, killing people is what you intended. <laughs> All right. Um, you know, this one I can't believe that they can say this with a straight face. I mean, this is too easy, right? Um, but let me read to you uh, at least one of the paragraphs. President Obama's centrist health care bill was informed by... Centrist? Yes, centrist. They put the word centrist. In. Yeah, oh, that, that's a good point. But we'll, <laughs> Sorry, get, to, we'll I, get to that. Should, that's I, a good point. I, I'm glad you... <laughs> I would not have noticed that, but it, we'll, we'll talk about that. President Obama's centrist health care bill was informed by federalism. I love that when people say it was informed by federalism. As if Madden, Madison wrote it. It's, yeah, that's right. It was informed. <laughs> it was John federalism. Adams and James Madison who were responsible. Yeah, but they, 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 you know, what they, what they want to say is that 
this is actually a federalist program, right? right? Informed, but when you say it was informed by federalism, it just sounds so, I don't know, professorial and erudite. All right. Um, and then they explain what federalism is, delegating powers to the states, right? Uh, and proven de technocratic reforms, like a board to help doctors discern which treatments would be the most cost-effective. Because those doctors, you know, are so stupid. And they, they need to be told by government bureaucrats how to be cost-effective. Because, you know, the government knows how to be cost-effective. Republicans, however, undeterred, decried it as Soviet-style communism based on death panels. Okay. We didn't no, say no, that, that, that. That is true. No, no, no. I did. No, no. <laughs> no, but it's still a falsity because it does not say that it's a whole thing based upon death panels. We said that there would be death panels as part of it, inevitably. But then not the whole thing is based upon death panels. That's just a, that's a, that's a false argument. Um, anyway, it, it will have death panels. It has to have death panels because, I mean, they may not call it a death panel. I'm sure they won't. And what does the death panel have to say about, about you, sir, Mr. Smith? The death panel says, you die. No, it's not going to be like that. It's going to say, it's, it, they're going to have a nice, much nicer name. Yeah, your life, your choices, as in the, I told you the VA had their That's own right. death That's right. panel, but it was called that. That's right. Yeah. You know, the Committee for um, Excellence in... End um, of Life Care. End of Life Care. Yeah, right. something like that. Um, right. It'll be something like that. And, um, and then it says, never mind the fact that the old system, which rationed care based on income, is the one that left tens of thousands of people uninsured and people to die. All right. All right. If this were true, then you would expect to see people dying on the streets. As, but, but apparently, uh, it was so long ago that we had this uh, pre-Obama, you know, thank goodness Obamacare was here so that we could now survive. You know, it's, it's, there was no health care. Never mind that people were routinely going to the emergency rooms for their health care. Never mind that at all. No, no. Never mind that we wiped out polio and scarlet fever and all those other wonderful things. Apparently, it was a nightmare. We, we didn't, you, just, you just didn't know it, Ari. Yeah, it was a real nightmare getting rid of leprosy. That's right. Oh, it's <laughs> just, just terrible. But, uh, you know, and never mind the fact that no government system has ever worked in history. But this time, it'll work. So, and, and again, back to the liar who's telling the truth this time, right? How dare you question this is so simple. Can't you see how great this is? Yeah, and all we're saying is, well, that's funny. The more the planners plan, the more the plans fail. Right. <laughs> and then finally it says, it's worth noting that every time the CBO estimates how much Obamacare will cost, the, numbers, the number gets lower. Odd how we've never heard Republicans say that. <laughs> all right. Well, that's a bunch of garbage. That's not actually what's true. Um, they, they know that they're not. Uh, that, that, that's just absolutely wrong. And, of course, they don't cite to that at all. Um, and so without citing to it, I, I just – I have to ignore it. It's just – it's garbage. I, look, I read a lot of legal briefs, and when people throw out a supposed law without a citation to that law, whatever the law should be, that I know that there is no law to that effect. It's like okay. there's a scene in Breaking Bad where this drug addict is uh, being busted by an undercover cop, and he says to the cop, well – I heard that if uh, there's a law that if you're a cop, you have to tell me, right? So right. are you a cop? No, I'm not a cop. And he does the drug deal. He gets arrested. I see. Oh, I, thought, I thought you told me I, there's a law that I had to tell. No, there isn't, you <laughs> dummy. <laughs> right? That's very funny. Like, That's no. very funny. Cite it. Show right. us. Okay. Um, last one. Rich people are no better than the rest of us. 
And uh, here, this is, again, about 13 or so lines. Uh, his, the gist of this argument is that uh, rich people are not uh, so charitable and such, and that poor people will be just as charitable, and, uh, and that they are, they are just as great. Okay. Uh, I don't think that we've ever said rich people are better than the rest of us. I, I don't know what that means. Uh, I, I agree with the statement that we're, we're not better. I, I, first of all, I'm not rich. Uh, but I'm, but I, I, let's say I'm middle income or upper middle income, fine. Uh, but I, I wouldn't even say that I'm better than a poor person. I, what does this mean? What, did, did, are we, do, do they really believe that we advance the proposition that rich people are better than other people? Well, that's right. Trailer trash uh, Dougie Crow, who lives in um, Hillsborough, Kentucky, votes Republican based on the first line of this article right. because he wants to redistribute all income right. into the hands of the Koch brothers. Right. And then he thinks the Koch brothers are better than him, and that's why he does it. All right. Well, here's, here's what they actually say in the article because it's worth reading. Um, Politicians on the right like to pretend that having money is a sign of hard work and morality and that not having, a money, uh, not having money is a sign of laziness. Okay. Okay, that's, first of all, okay, that's a straw man argument, right? That we've, been, we've never said that. Not having money is, is, a, is a function of not having money. It means that you may have come from, you might be down on your luck for whatever reason. You may have come from another country altogether, and all of a sudden you have no, no money whatsoever. You may have suffered a lawsuit. It, it doesn't matter. But th- th- this is a strawman argument. Okay? Or it's, maybe it's you're not Warren a, Buffett on your deathbed, and you decided just to give it all away. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right? But we've, we've never said it's a sign of laziness. Okay, but there are some people that are, are without money, and they are lazy. That's true. But not all people. Give me a break. And there are a bunch of rich people who are lazy too. That's right. I've met some. So then, he, then having created this straw man argument, then he proceeds to knock it down. Right? The story is contradicted by human experience and many religious traditions. Jesus tells a graphic story about a rich man who refused to help the poor burning in hell. Oh, okay. Oh, gosh. You really, you really shot down your own straw man argument so well. A straw man argument that doesn't even apply. But, but good for you, sir. Um, but it's also contradicted by the facts. More and more rich people are getting their money through inheritances, and science shows that they are no more benevolent than others. So? Okay. so wait, wait, hold, hold on. Science shows? How so? What is this? And science shows that they are no more benevolent than others? What, what, what are you talking about? Science shows? There's, a, there's now an empirical... Scientists are out there. We're going to show that uh, rich in lab are, coats. Yeah, in lab coats, walking around Beverly Hills. Uh, yeah, and you can just see him. You know, he's he's, he's pouring some beak, you know, beakers, and, and and finally saying, after many experiments and tri- trials and errors, saying, "Eureka! I've discovered that rich people are no more benevolent than poor people." <laughs> All right. Anyway, look, uh, we, we've definitely this is a very long podcast, and I can see that we're running. Out yeah, of time. it is. So. <laughs> So what we'll do is we'll, we'll, we'll sign off for now. But listen, yeah, the, 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 whenever I see an article like this from Rolling Stone or any other magazine that purports to simply shoot down all the Republican arguments, I, I, I open it up right away on, on the website and check it out. And I always think this time I will actually get some intelligent argument from, from the left. Proof of intelligent life in that alien world far away. I, and then I always get so disappointed. <laughs> Right, I, I, here's what I feel like, and I'll leave it like this. I feel like Charlie Brown trying to kick that football that Lucy's holding for him. Right, this time she'll she'll hold it. <laughs>
All right. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, this is Baruch Lurie. This has been the Baruch Lurie Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah.